you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Queer to Queer cast. I am your host, Bob Saget. I've come back to tell everyone that the house is still full. Now, my name is Colin Miller, and I'm here with a very special, very seductive, very smart, very sweet, very supple. Don't know, I don't know what supple means in regards to this person, um, but uh, there's a preciousness to his soul. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm round of applause that he will not hear. He will never hear them. But still, as you're listening, applaud for this gentle, gentle, giantly hearted, if that is a correct term, man, Mr. Preston White. Hi, Colin. Uh, I, I I thought my name was Norm Macdonald. I'm just a, I'm just a moth. I'm still just I'm still just stuck in a podiatrist's office, and I've I've been trapped here. I've been trapped here so many years, Colin. I, I just sometimes I just never feel like I'm going to get out. And I'm just kidding, man. It's good to be on your show. This is fun. This is exciting. I always, I, you know, I figured Bob Saget would have to start hosting a podcast by now. And he just, he finally found time when he died. Right. You know, he, he really just, you know, some people are only fully appreciated after they pass away, unfortunately, but um, some people are also only truly motivated apparently whenever they pass away. Not that Bob Saget was a loser. Um, he was very successful um, in, a, in a household name, but um, he's, I think maybe he just wants to return, you know, the, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting a message from him right now. And he's saying, yeah, I really just, I want to try some new things. You know, I did a whole lot of acting. I did a whole lot of television, but you know what? People be doing these podcasts. It's the way just, of uh, the future. Yeah. I may just be getting on that ghost training, riding that one uh, into a beautiful tunnel of experience so preston we are here to talk about lots of things on the queer to queer cast um first of all i'd like to um give you the opportunity to let us know if you are single if you are ready to mingle um tell us a little bit about your current romantical state of affairs i am engaged to the greatest lady I have ever met. Um, Her name is Alexandra Farber. She is a choreographer, a principal dancer with the Texas Ballet Theater and a delightful visual artist. Um, And we're just kind of knee deep in wedding planning and um, moved in together about four months ago and things that just, man, it just gets better every day. And um, that's my that's my current state of romantic entanglement. Um, How does Norm um, McDonald feature into the relationship? Is it a you know? It's funny you should mention that. Um, last night, uh, she finally turned on the moth video. Uh, she oh found, no! She found an animated one, and I I love Norm McDonald. I really do. He's probably it may I won't say my favorite stand up comedian but probably the one i've watched the most of maybe mm-hmm. i don't know anyway i love i love his stuff and i i quote that joke all the time in stupid ways and um 
So she turned it on and then she looked at me, Colin. She looked at me and said, can we like listen to some of his other stuff? I liked this. And I was just like, God, she does. She keeps getting more perfect. So that is how Norm MacDonald is. What she doesn't know is how different things could be for y'all right now. If she had said that she didn't like the comedy, you know, it might've just been, um, a dimmer a dimmer um chapel uh or a, a quieter chapel fewer wedding bells maybe in the in the distant future if it was a, a strike against norm mcdonald's name uh maybe i mean she's she <laughs> she likes the grateful dead and mm-hmm. enjoys the music stylings of fish so yeah. We've got that on lock, so pretty much like whatever else she doesn't like, I'm okay with. But I feel like there's a there's less risk when you're really connected to somebody because I I do feel like you kind of know as like so you're an artist, which we're gonna talk about. She's an artist, which we will talk about when she's on the podcast. Where I'm just making the decision for her. She's coming on. So there we go. Putting it out into the ether. Cool. Uh, um, I'll, I'll book her for you. We can figure you. out the date and time. <laughs> um, but uh, whenever you have that sense of media, art, uh, literature, consumption, and you share that with somebody that you literally live with, I mean, you live with her. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got the inside track guys so he's a friend of the pod so I was just asking about his relationship for the sake of everybody else. I'm happy to talk about it I've been told I talk about it too much so like please ask away it's great but like, it's not really that risky is what I'm saying because you would know if she wouldn't like it I mean there's it, there's a there's a degree of, of unpredictability there for sure, but I feel like as a person with a great sense of her and a great sense of the art itself, you would be like, do these things connect? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like I've she's the first person I've been in a relationship with that enjoys the Grateful Dead and their music. And when you when you are at the level of Deadhead that that I find myself being. It's very difficult to live with people or or be very close friends with them if they're not like okay with it. Because I listen to the music all the time. I go to shows, uh, Dead and Company concerts are events. I've traveled to different states to see them. Like if you're not at least okay with the music, I'm a difficult person to date. And as it, it you know, when we first got together, like she was talking about like all sorts of like hippie shit you know for lack of a better term and i was like ah she's gonna be fine (laughs) she's gonna be fine and we took a we went to there's this local tribute to the grateful dead called forgotten space they're great seen them well and well over 30 times love their music and she looked at me during this concert and she was like i get it I get it. Like, I, I see why you guys love this so much. Like, I mm-hmm. feel something here. And I was like, all right, I'm going to marry her. And now Forgotten Space is playing our wedding. Yeah, that's the uh, the moment in the proverbial Sonic game where, you know, you would, you achieve the chaos emerald. She's, at that point, you were like, this girl just found it. Like, she, yeah. she just like, I mean, not to get too sexual on the podcast, but she found your master emerald. 
if uh, you know what I mean in that sense. So, um, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We a video got posted of us dancing at that show specifically that night, and my buddy Robert, um, wonderful design co, is his his tag. He made the artwork for my podcast and stuff, and um, he messaged me and he's like, "Y'all are gonna get married." <laughs> he's just, that was his message to me he was just like you two are getting married like there's yeah. no there's no way it was like better send me an invite and you know he got his save the date this week <laughs> as did you and that was so that was this person achieving the proverbial chaos emerald with that comment big oh well you're coming now we're, we're all chasing our own proverbial chaos emerald and i feel like we <laughs> will Every time we get one, we have to get another. I don't know any of Sonic's lore. I'm making this. You're up. right. Like, no, you, there's like so. This is a uh, welcome to the queer to queer cast. This is where we talk about Sonic games uh, and nerd out over the, the new movies starring uh, Ben Schwartz. No, I. It's actually funny because you know you've got the seven chaos emeralds. There's and multiple. Then if you get this, yes, and they're all different colors. It's very. Uh, very LGBTQ, which we always support here on this podcast. And then once you get all seven, you become supersonic. So, you know, I think that everyone listening, if we have one piece of advice for you, it's don't stop with one. Just keep reaching for those chaos involves until you become your own supersonic. And that connects to different things. You know, it's like, what are you doing for your art? Are you interested in love? Have you found that? How are your relationships? How is your job? Where do you live? What do you do every day? That's five things right there. I don't, I don't even need to give you two more. But yeah, at least there's like seven-ish key things, I think, that if they're all in balance, you are super. You are eternal. You are a glowing yellow light shooting through the ether like Captain Marvel, Brie Larson, also a singer. So Preston, you are a huge nerd when it comes to music and that is an intense compliment because I reap the rewards of talking to you. We've <laughs> attempted to begin a podcast where you teach me about music and uh, instruct me upon which albums to listen to uh, a few times, which hopefully we will return to. But um, I would wish, still go ahead. I, I would still love to do this show. I really wish we could make it happen. Yeah, we're gonna we're we're going to. Third time's a charm. We we give it we gave it the old college try. Now we're gonna give it the old um we're both engaged and old try. That 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 would be the key. Now that we're both engaged, we have new powers. So we will seek seek the promised land to get it. No, but um for our listeners, Preston, can you talk a little bit about shows that you've seen in Dallas, mm -hmm. maybe one or two that have really been substantial. Where were they? Who was playing? And just recall them as oh, organically yeah. as you can. Yeah. Um, oh gosh. I've been to so many. Um, I think, all right, so we'll, we'll go backwards. Uh, all right. Last month, here in um on march i think it was march 4th at the um majestic theater over in dallas 
Alexandra got um, me tickets to see my favorite living musician. His name's Nick Cave. He's uh, touring his album Carnage that he made with his musical collaborator, Warren Ellis. She got us second row back center stage tickets. So I was six feet away from Nick Cave. And it was one of the most um, transformative experiences of my concert going life and career. I mean, the music already is so powerful, but to see it, live done so passionately and kind of extended out and you really you really feel the gravity of of it in front of you because i just i love music that moves me i don't care necessarily what direction it moves me in if it's you know you know some like super boppy track and i'm just feeling like love and light like i'm so here for that but then also if like it makes me feel a little vulnerable and, and sad and tender. Like, I love that too. Um, I tend to listen to more music on that side of the spectrum, but I think that's just because that's what I like. That's what I listen to in my teenagers. And you never really grow out of the bands you listen to when you're 16. Yeah, you've never, you've never been like, Colin, here's this bop that's yeah i mean like when people want to hear yeah when people want to hear a real downer they message me and i'm so happy to share that sadness with them um because i i don't know like i i feel less alone when i hear sad music so it kind of makes me happier but i can absolutely understand how that could go the opposite for people and each to their own the second show that i feel like has to be mentioned here specifically in Dallas would have been my first dead and company show December 1st or 2nd I think of 2018 I don't know it was, it was at um maybe 19 no no it was 2018 um they played American Airlines Center a uh, great show really was my first time seeing Bob Weir and Bill Kurtzman and Mickey Hart, the three original members of the dead. And they played a beautiful Dear Prudence. They they brought down the um, kind of disco ball thing and it was shining on the whole crowd while they're singing the outro. They did Fire on the Mountain, which I just love that song so much. And the Casey Jones from that show was absolutely ripping and apparently john mayer had a terrible appendicitis at that show and like it was he had to go into surgery like two days later and like looking back at some of those videos like he's wincing pretty hard and he makes the weirdest faces when he plays but at a couple moments you're like oh he's just in pain this isn't even guitar yeah. face but um you know obviously for someone like me who got into the dead and for many years, never got the chance to see any of them perform live. That first show was, you know, uh, got a miracle. And um, it's it's been a blessing to see them every time since then. I've been to six shows now. So sounds like that John Mayer was experiencing his own version of art through adversity. Um, the diversity of the body literally yeah I mean and like man he was up there playing like his life depended on it because you know like they, there's this thing that people talk about like stage health you walk on stage and like you could have 105 fever but like you just get through your shit because mm -hmm. like you're just the adrenaline's going 
and like that man was focused he was not like he was not gonna think about what was going on because i've i've had like severe appendicitis apparently like i got to the hospital and they were like yeah you're like in like moments away from bursting we have to put you under like right now like you need to just like like you sit the fuck down like you gotta go um so i and i can't imagine trying to play a three-hour show um like that so kudos to john mayer i mean he's he's endlessly talented i don't care what anyone says and john mayer your heart yeah you know yeah well you're a part of a Triforce. Again, welcome to the Queer to Queer cast where the nerd host just talks about video games and references things from Nintendo and Sega. So you, I would say, are one piece of the Triforce of three people in my life who I would say I have unique and deep connections with who are all music-centric. Like that is where you are pulled into art. And one of them who plays in a band Actually, at the time of recording, I don't know what band he plays in. Shuffles a little bit here and there. Um, He's recently, well, this person is in the middle of a move from Pennsylvania to California. There's, it can be difficult to maintain a band when you go across the coast. That's pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. Tricky, tricky situation. But anyway, he was telling me how when he played a show here in Dallas during the pandemic, and this is, I know we're still in a pandemic, but earlier stages of the pandemic where the crowd was huge and he was nearly having a panic attack because he's very much a hypochondriac. He doesn't, um, in other words, pandemic not the best thing for his mental health, but I looked at the pictures and he just looked like a fucking rock star. I'm like, I don't like, he's, he's showing me the pictures. Yeah, it was a nightmare. I wasn't like, oh, I sweat so God. much when I get off stage. Yeah, I've had panic attacks playing on stage. Um, oh, wow. the, the only time that it really um, like fell apart was we were, we were performing out in Tyler uh, with my band Little Universe and um we were performing out in Tyler. I oddly enough, we were covering a Grateful Dead song at the time because I just wanted us <laughs> full to circle, baby. Full circle. There we go. Yeah. Uh, call back. Full circle and, of love. Um, and uh, I was singing it, second verse, and I my panic attack was so intense I forgot like just everything. I just like couldn't remember the note, couldn't remember the word, couldn't remember it, like where we were, mm-hmm. and I just looked at. Um, the front man fabian and like he everyone in that band was very understanding of my mental health um difficulties proclivities whatever you want to call it and he looked at me and in just like pure like showmanship he just we understood that i'm not we're not gonna finish this song he looked at the guitarist cameron cameron wrapped it up we moved on you know and i just could like go play bass in the back and just um relax but yeah that was um that was the only time it like got to the point where i couldn't like continue to play but there were how did you recover is that some is that a secret you can share with our Uh, listeners who may be artists and experiencing panic attacks 
I mean, it just, I waited it out, but I had to, I wasn't going to walk off stage either. You know, um, I did what I could do at the time. It subsided Mm -hmm. until the next one, you know, that's, that's what having panic attacks are. And so you've now mentioned that you play. I'd like to know what you play, where you play it, how you like to play it. Sure. Um, my main instrument for most of my life has been bass guitar. I started attempting to play it at 13 and I'm still attempting to play it at 26. Um, in the last, I'd say three years, I have been actively trying to become better at six string guitar. I definitely learned like 10 chords starting out at like 17 and then just never learned more for years and years and years. Um, And now I can kind of get by. I just bought my first like real boy, like nice electric guitar, a Fender Telecaster made in Mexico. And I love it. It's like, I was, I was getting to the point where I was playing all these cheap electric guitars and like, it's, it's okay to learn on a cheap instrument. And I recommend that you, most people do learn on a cheap instrument, but you'll get to a point where like, spend a little extra, get the mid range guitar. It will help you longer. It stays in tune. It feels better. You're just, you're the pickups are better. You're going to, you're going to have a better time. Um, so now I've been enjoying that a lot. I also recently bought a keyboard and I want to learn piano, but I have not had too much time to sit down and learn a whole new instrument over the Wait, last few you, months. you have a busy schedule? Me as, uh, me as one of your buddies who's uh, been trying to hang out with you for a month and a half. Now, okay, listeners, I'm teasing him. I'm also fucking trash when it comes to a schedule right now but uh, no absolutely yeah um, you you and i do a really good job of making plans and then switching off who is gonna bail on it and that's okay um we will well, make it happen we made it here tonight yes affirmation we're this is the this is the beginning of the new era of uh consolidating and going through plans so here we go you're you're everybody listening is witness to it unless you're listening years into the future where hopefully you're seeing all the other stuff that preston and i have produced have you ever thought about that as a fellow podcaster like the things that you say now that will outlive you like there's this bizarre like right now i'm so present with you and everything Mm -hmm. feels so current but 50 years down the road like um, this podcast be what will have changed it's just like ooh, very intriguing i think about things like that a lot um i like uh, i definitely fall under the camp of like all art is about this is gonna we're gonna get pretty pretty dramatic here for a second but i i oh. think that all art is about death ultimately mm-hmm. um because you know you're creating these immortal objects whether it be a podcast episode a painting a song an album a movie whatever like you could die tomorrow and as long as there's an internet connection or a place to house the information or a wall to put the the art on like that will always be there mm-hmm. kind of thing um so yeah like 
or even like have you ever gone through like a facebook page of someone that died you know yes actually one of my closest friends brothers yeah it was a a few weeks after his death i had just gotten back from a trip and i had i was actually scrolling and just saw i just i saw his i was inviting people to a certain event i just kind of was like oh my god there's his page and then you yeah there's this very surreal moment when you open the page and then you you see their last post you see of course there's like people messaging there saying you know so so i miss you and then but once you get past those like four or five posts or you know hopefully more but you know what i mean like these days like grouped in a thing at the top Mm -hmm. um you'll just see that like post from two months ago and then it's just like they were alive like you're just like watching their their lives for a minute i think that's kind of what listening to a a podcast could be in in 50 years you know not to get dramatic but his passing taught me that all collabs which is another reason why whenever i know we were fucking around and kidding but whenever i feel the desire to collab or Mm -hmm. to make something happen with somebody which definitely um you're very high on the list for people that I feel that connection with. Uh, I want to do it now as opposed to later or put the seeds in the pot um, for it to grow into something later now because I was actually helping this person who passed with a script. He had written this huge long feature based on his experience and it was chaotic and jumbled, but there was a voice there and You know, I think his brothers have that now, but yeah, we were dialoguing. I remember just, you know, being in my living room, I had blocked out, you know, seven or ish hours to just go through each line of dialogue and then write responses. Cause when I, much like my, um, my best professor at UNT, she would say, prepare for copious comments on your essays. Uh, and I was giving that and there was this and then we had a conversation about it and there was what's next what's the next step and then he was gone like we never got to the next step so it was just very humbling no I I I get that a lot you know I um you know my my grandmother died last January and we're finally having her memorial service uh Mm -hmm. Friday (laughs) I remember that time. That was rough. Yeah. So that's been that's been a year and a half. And um I'm doing the install for my solo show right after the the um the uh the memorial service, like same day. Like I'm like the cars will be loaded with my paintings while we're doing Mm -hmm. it. And a a number of people were like, are you sure? Like, are, like, the, like, do you not want time? And it's like, well, like, one, I've had a year and a half to process this already. Two, you never find, you never fully process grief. You learn to live with it. So, mm-hmm. you know, no time like the present. But three, I feel in many ways that, because um, she was always so supportive of my, my art and my music, any creative interest I ever had, she was like, you know, top tier cheerleader. And um, when I paint, I sometimes feel like I get to kind of hang out with my grandparents, um, especially the ones on my mom's side. Um, Not that the ones on my dad's side were 
lackluster they were great but they died when i was a little younger um and they lived out of town the other ones lived five minutes down the street growing up so like i was there all the time got their artwork in my house it's okay they're very i'm bob saget just told me that they're very upset oh wait no they're alive right they're alive no no everyone's dead okay they're all okay yeah, okay. i was just making sure dead. i got the signal right from the bob yeah. saget channel okay. all good all good um and so like it was weird i, I finished all the pieces for my show yesterday <laughs> and thank you and i was just laying there's a couch in the studio oddly enough it's the couch from their my mom's parents front room like i Mm -hmm. slept on that couch as a kid now it's in my art studio kind of thing free couch you know and um but there's artistic synergy there it's a yeah there's a sense of um returning to the place that is comforting to you and i would think in an art studio you would want that you do and and that was there was a conscious decision to put it in there yeah i was just sitting on the couch i was by myself um alexandra was working on some stuff for an upcoming choreographic piece in in the other room and i honestly felt like they were just there with me and i'm not like i don't i don't really think anything happens after you die like i'm not a subscriber to really too much of too too many things in that department but something just kind of sat next to me you know in that moment and it was very it was very comforting um and it it was nice you know it's sorry if your audience you won't you don't see my face colin does but i keep looking over my laptop i don't know if you if you can tell but i've pictures of your beautiful eyes you have this like very amber light that's shining very brightly in them and it's actually it's it's very much um it's almost a motif of what you're talking about (laughs) right on the other side of of my computer are pictures of my grandparents so i'm just like i'm I'm, they're here with us they're hanging out i i booked them as well so good good they had great stories um but but yeah so i i just um that was a nice feeling, you know, I, I, I really wish, you know, they were both here to, you know, like go to the wedding and stuff like that. They loved dancing. My grandmother would talk about dance all the time. And like the fact that I'm, you know, marrying a professional ballet dancer. I think one of the last times I talked to my grandmother, I got to tell her that I met Alexandra. Yeah. But I mean, she, she died five weeks after that so you know there wasn't much time and she was um in icu and hospice for most of that but anyway so yeah all art is about death um and shit (laughs) death and shit let's uh at uh, that uh, create your own hashtags death and shit please tag uh, queer underscore two underscore queer and um, we'll see you back in just a few minutes. Um, not minutes, seconds. We don't have that much ad space, Mary. Not yet. We have no ad space, so go fuck yourself. Just kidding. I love you. Um, I'll see you very soon. We are back with the devastatingly handsome and impeccably talented and uber nice guy in the best way possible, Preston White. So Preston, we've talked about death, we've talked about music, and 
we've mentioned art several times, but let's go to the most, I guess, immediate association with the word art, putting images to a canvas using paint and brushes. Can you tell us a little bit about the actual art, the physical art, pardon me, that you create? Yeah, um, primarily I'm a painter. I do large and small scale abstract works. Um, I've kind of got my own style. Ugh, like that feels so conceited to say like, I have my own style, um, but I kind of do. Um, I, I scrape paint across a canvas um, and layer up dozens of layers to sometimes great effect. Um, I would so. say as a fan of his art, most of the time, let's, let's go ahead and put an, instead of a most, I'm a great editor. So we're going to put an all there. So all the time, and this is just, you know, it's my podcast. So if Preston doesn't want to agree. He doesn't have to, but I'm going to say he's an all the time, amazing painter. I've never seen something where I'm like, I don't know what he was doing that day, but that's, that's a piece of shit. So just know that that painting in your repertoire doesn't exist for me. Maybe it does for you, but um, how do you know when it's good? I guess that's a question I have when, when you like, because I'm sure you've walked away and been not so pleased. And then um, the reverse of that, I'm sure is true too, when you go, oh yeah. This is yeah. Um, you know, I try to not get too caught up in if it's good or not. Mm -hmm. um, most of the time, I definitely will. I've got like a handful of people I may text a picture to of like a work in progress or I'll ask Alexandra, like, you know, what do you think? Not necessarily like if you do you think this is good or not, but like, just what do you think about this? Because um, ultimately, you know, it's not it's not necessarily about like if it's good it's about if you like it and i think sometimes i get um frustrated with the piece because it's not where i want it to be but i usually just move on to a different piece at that moment i try to have a couple i'm working on like two or three three if i'm lucky that i can just like rotate in and out because like creativity if you can just it's about keeping yourself interested. If you're just slaving over one piece for however long, like you'll get burned out and like not really like it in the end. But if I can work on one piece for like two hours and then go to another piece for a couple hours and go to another piece, I sometimes even find that while I'm working on another piece, I'll like the way some cer certain colors look or I like something I did. And then I'll take that and do it on one of the other ones. So they all kind of like build up together. So uh, especially in like recent months, I'll end up having to call something like number one, two or three or so on and so forth. Yeah. Cause I'll, I'll be working on them at the same time to the point where like they are really just three different pieces of the same idea. Um, and as far as like, how do I know I just know, I just trust my instinct. I get caught up a lot on when it's done. Cause you can. Oh, my, my writer heart sees you. 
Yeah. I see you. You know, because yeah. like really when you're when you're painting abstract images, like the sky is the limit, you know, for yeah. what you can put on there because you're creating hopefully you're creating something that's never been seen before. And um that's the joy of it. That's the excitement in it. But um, you know, it's um it's better to stop while you're ahead. I think when a piece really, really, really excites me, I'm more inclined to go, all right. Cause yeah. it's not like I'm done painting after I finished that piece. Like it's like the the ninth season of a show that was good for eight seasons. Like you can just drain the characters dry. And actually I was curious about that. Sure. Not just for the sake of the just miraculous metaphor that I've drawn. I know you're really impressed everybody listening. Um, do, do you see characters in your paintings? Like, I mean, are, do you, when you, I know that a lot of it is very emotionally driven or maybe circumstantially driven, what's going on in your head. Um, and it can flip flop energies in terms of what takes center stage, but are there people, places, things in these abstract worlds that you create for you? not necessarily like i can't sit here and say that like none of them remind me or make me think of like things from the past but i don't set out to do that mm -hmm. originally and i um i try pretty hard to not like explain the painting to people some people love doing that and i don't actually think there's anything wrong with it um there are people who are very uh what's the word like um story narrative meaning driven in painting mm -hmm. and they they want to tell you a um what's that book like a war and peace length mm -hmm. uh, they story. You. Yeah, yeah they will toast all you yeah, um, for sure. They're going to give you some 800 pages of shit. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Not that Tolstoy is shit. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know. I'm a Dostoevsky guy myself. <laughs> I wait for sure. If you're, if you're wondering, The Idiot is a great book. Um, <laughs> but even then, that book's like 500 pages too long. Like, you know. I'll just say it's a, it's a crime to insult Tolstoy and your punishment will be severe. That's all. Oh, you should have said, and your punishment. Well, never mind. Anyway, so hey, uh, I need. I'm a writer. I need a. I need a word document. I'm not intelligent unless I can edit. That's the bane of my existence. Whatever, Colin. You're you're good on your feet. Um, but yeah, like I love. So you know, when it comes to movies and stuff, it's really not my forte. I'm I very limited knowledge of movies, but the movies I do end up watching are always like fucking off the wall stuff that just like, like is like level three film student schlock. And I'm like, oh yeah, that was fine. I enjoyed that. But um, Spider-Man like put on his red and blue suit and he flew around. Yeah, you know, and uh, he shot his webs on some octopus guy. It was hot. Yeah, great. but then I'm like, I want to watch the color of pomegranates, and people are like, "What?" And I'm like, "You 
can we watch something by Werner Herzog? And they're like, who's that? And I'm just like, well, look, like you don't want to watch movies with me. You'll be bored and sad. Yeah, you, you take your Spider-Man and you put them somewhere else. I want to watch a penguin walk to its death for 10 minutes. Yeah, or yeah. five hours. <laughs> um, yeah, literally. Anyway, um, the what I'm trying to get to is like again, all I, art is sadness. Oh no, I'm sorry. All art is death. Remember that. This is the theme of the podcast: death and shit. It's death and death and shit with Preston Light. Um, but I love that David Lynch refuses to explain his movies. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite things about him, besides his movies, that I also love, because like coming from someone who has quite literally loved abstract art their entire life like that was a very we can talk about that and how he kind of like fell into this but um coming from someone who really just loves putting images in front of people or having images put in front of me that I have to then figure out for myself and no matter what my interpretation will be different than anyone else's and I love that about David Lynch's movies. And when, pe- when people ask him questions, he's like, I'm not going to explain that. And then they drop it. They're like, okay, cool. But then with, if you're a painter, and especially someone who creates abstract images, everyone is always like, so what does it mean? And I'm like, well, what does it mean to you? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. Oh, well, then you should figure that out. <laughs> like, Well, it's another vehicle. I think that your art is like you you mentioned there are the tolstoy-esque artists that will give you the story as is but that's one vehicle to get the audience to a place right well yours is also a vehicle they just they take different shapes the wheels are shaped different they go at different speeds the roads that they can fit on are different and it's like hey not every road trip is designed for every you know creative receptor so yeah like yeah and so it's if i were to explain to people what a certain painting means to me i would be cheating them out of having their own Mm -hmm. story and meaning and i don't want to do that to them (laughs) you know yeah and if you out there because all of you are going to at the end of the podcast go to the episode description find preston socials and you're going to purchase a piece of his I know it and thank you in advance. If I find out that you've drawn a fucking Bob Ross tree on any of his paintings, I will come and find you and I will wear a Liam Neeson mask and I will just yell the the national anthem very loudly and then run away. You don't want that. You don't want that for your life. So just Assume that if you buy a painting from Preston, when you buy a painting from Preston, it is done. It is not for you to then go and, I know Preston might be like, do whatever you want with it. No, I will find you. Don't deface my friend's work. Please I mean, I'd, yeah. I'd like if they didn't, you know, Don't. mess it up after they bought it. It's, it is funny. Like I've, I, um, I've seen someone who's bought one of my paintings they hung it upside down and I was like oh no but like I signed them I put arrows on the back of most of them like my like initials were upside down on the bottom 
They're on the top left corner. And I was like, <sighs> I didn't say anything though. That's like getting a manga and then just deciding to read from right to left. Just yeah. even though it's not the story at all. Just like, I'm, I'm, you know, let's just get it out of order. Why not? The funniest thing was they sent me a picture. Like okay. I didn't see, I, I didn't see it like on their story. They were like, hey, I'm so happy I hung your painting. Looks great in the new place. And I was just like, that's interesting. But anyway. Um, well, we put out our creations and they are no longer us. Yeah, you don't own it once it leaves. You really don't. And I'm okay. I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Even it's less so thing. now. Have you ever thought about this with, with the advent of all of this? All this new social media. Social media is no longer new, guys and gals and they thems out there. But with TikTok and shorts on YouTube, stories on Instagram, things are getting. I think I just beat the mic up. Sorry about that, Mike. Uh, things are getting shorter. Clips are getting shorter. Things are getting dissected. People are just grabbing clips from things and putting them all over everywhere, like. What, what do you think about that? Like what that could mean for you as an artist? I mean, for, it's tough because I feel like I'm kind of lucky in that I'm a painter and, you know, creative fads have come and gone forever and will always come and go. But thing, things like, painting things like dance things like playing music music gets a little dicey because like genre is so important in that realm but like people will be painting until the end of time sure and i don't see it going anywhere um, I know for me, I don't really care, you know, if people's attention spans are getting shorter and shorter and shorter, because at the end of the day, if you walk through a gallery, if you walk through a museum or even someone's house and they have a really good piece of art, you're going to stop and look at it anyway. It, it, it's like it surpasses social media and it's reaching like would i be potentially more popular if i you know slaved all day over a tiktok you know or like made constant um in the studio reels um probably yeah i'd at least have more followers i don't know if that necessarily means more sales mm -hmm. um well so i, I think know the story that would be given to you is that it would be you know, that's what our society wants you to think is that you have yeah. to You know, and it's like, yeah, you you would think that, but then if you go to like a major gallery's social media page or you go to a major gallery's website and you click on their their represented artists and you go and find these people who are selling their work for, you know, not insignificant funds, but not even astronomical, like like a good ten thousand dollar painting which is a lot of money but remember the gallery is getting 40 to 50 percent of that 
because they got to keep their doors open and they handle all the business for you, which like is worth the 50% and also just price your things better. So mm -hmm. you're covered, but that's a whole other thing. But if you go and look at the social media pages of all these artists who are like doing well enough to be in a well-established gallery and charging that much, they have like 400 followers. Yeah. The art, like truly the art market doesn't care. At least from what I can really tell, the art market doesn't really care how many followers you have. Yeah, there's like trendy galleries and stuff, but like I don't make trendy art, you know, right. like I I don't want to, I don't care to. I love painting and I like to paint. I like to paint images that I hope make people feel a little better. And that's all I care about. So, yeah, it's like people have asked me many times about NFTs and I'm not like an anti-NFT, but for the amount of money people are spending on a digital image, I just wish they would spend like half as much on a real painting mm -hmm. from a, or not even just a painting, a drawing, a, a watercolor, a sculpture, an etching, a piece of music, like any of it to a to a young and starting creative like that's that can go a lot further like i just don't know where the end goal for nfts are in the um the future of it you know it just it just seems very like risky for that much money you know um whereas like you know, if you buy a painting from an artist that turns out to do pretty well in life or even just like kind of okay, there's a there's a pretty good chance you're going to make double, triple, quadruple that money you spent, especially if you buy it early on. You know, I know in two years, my prices have already gone up and because I can and I need to, yeah. you know, but then my paintings are getting better. Well, and it's not, it's not ego-driven. It's, uh, it's you responding to the reality of your trajectory, you know? And I yeah. think to pull away from that process would make things, it would make things A, harder for you, but it also would mean there's an imbalance, you know? In other words, your chaos and world would not be all together because whenever you are putting out what you put out, then you deserve to be rewarded for that. And actually that leads me into a question because yeah. part of what we're trying to do with q to q and I know we've talked about this and some of the other things that we've collabed on and hope to collab on still, um, we hope to facilitate a space for creators to create who are struggling to create. So as an abstract expressionist artist and a bass player, what have been some things that have kept you? I know this is probably a super long list, but that's okay. Some um, things that, gravity's not my strong suit, so yeah. it's all good. <laughs> um, what have been some things that have really talking of gravity brought you down, made it more difficult for you to express what you want to express? The the um, gatekeeping, the hurdles, you know. Um, I think the biggest obstacle is myself. Uh, first, first and foremost um well isn't that always the case with everyone? yeah i know it, it is always the case it doesn't matter who you are but i still think not enough people admit it um mm -hmm. you know i've had 
quite the um, mental health journey and I'm just, I'm on the other side of so much um, struggles and pitfalls and stuff. And that really made anything difficult for a long time um, as you know, that, but that's its own, that's its own thing. But like, we're going to have several parts. This is a star Wars trilogy. Okay. So just, yeah. this is episode one. We'll get to what we get to. Yeah. Um, but as far as like real world, like outside my brain problems, um, galleries, I just mean like, you know, the, like the places that, you know, sell the expensive paintings, it used to be that they would find young artists and wanted to grow them for a large profit, but, and kind of exploit them, but they were interested in younger artists. They wanted to bring something new and fresh. And um, it was about the art. It really was about the image on the wall. Whereas now most galleries are more interested in your sales history where you have um, shown how much you sell your things for. Like I had, I, I went into a gallery once and asked how they handle representation. And they're like, oh, just send us um, a list of your sales history and what you sold for and the different art fairs that you've been at. And I was like, do you want pictures of my work? And he was like, oh, oh, well, yeah. I mean like that too, obviously. Afterthought. Yeah, so obviously I didn't send them anything. Um, but I feel for me, what I've kind of had to do is just go on the offensive and just get my art out in front of people and talk to concert venues and coffee shops and like just get out there, find a hair salon to put stuff on the wall for free. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. list it for sale it's probably not gonna sell but list it for sale and just like leave some cards like just get your your name out there um and because it's up to you to do it you know, there's just you're really not going to unless you've got some really great friends which i am absolutely blessed to have like getting your art out there is really hard and there's just there's never been more artists on earth at once mm -hmm. than right now. Like just per capita on planet earth, there's never been more art and that, and, and tomorrow there will be even more. Yeah. So figuring out a way to stand out is nice, but that's where it comes into like developing your own style, which for me, I've kind of found one that I really like and I intend to stick with it for the time being. Um, I, so I think something that can hold a lot of people back is not having a certain look. And that doesn't mean that everything has to be the same. It's like, it's like when you listen to a guitar player, they're like if you hear Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin play something, you know it's Jimmy Page, but he could be sitting in. Like it's just, yeah, you know, like finding your your voice can can be a hurdle. But like ultimately, though, like don't be in a rush. Don't let the like the 
future cripple you you know like be excited about what you're working on know that you are not going to probably have any real major success for five to ten years you know if you get lucky you'll have like a few good things a year and that's great that's more than most people but that's going to be sending dozens if not hundreds of emails that's going to be talking yeah. to people constantly like you see why galleries like are allowed to charge a 50 percent commission fee because doing all of that stuff fucking sucks but you got to do it right and that's that's the um i think that's where the people sometimes falter is doing the thing that doesn't assure your success, but, and, and maybe isn't the reason you're doing your art, your expression, but trucking along anyway. I feel like everybody I talk to right now who's an artist is struggling with the nuts and bolts of it all. Yeah. And, you know, you're, it's like you're a social media manager, you're a, you're mm -hmm. a business owner, you're a supply chain. <laughs> Yeah. you know i mean she's she this person you know one of my greatest friends of all time she works in atlanta and she's actually on sets and whenever she tells me like ah oh, like this is the this is the stuff that i'm doing all week i i think about how exciting that must be you know to be on set and to actually be near even if you're just doing pa work you know just to be connected to this world like so for me you know, the expression of film is really my forte. That's my medium. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Writing specifically screenplays for film is my most impassioned um, expression of art. But so to, to be near where I can smell all that cooking, you know, would be divine. And yet she tells me how hard every, like the hours, she tells me the chaos of her life. She tells me how people are treated lower on the totem pole. And I mean, I'm not gonna go into it any further because That's I love her so much. And if they somehow connected us, I would be devastated. Yeah. But she has a lot of material for a documentary and I'll just put that out there into the universe. And I think that a lot of mediums, um, people who wish they were doing something else are forced to do this, that, and the other before they can do the thing that they are called to do. Um, but Preston and I are here to say, please stay with it and don't let go of your vision for your art um, and seek out other people who understand it. I think that's very important too. Yeah, not go through just, the like, just like find four creative friends, mm -hmm. you know, just like four. I'm blessed to have a lot you know and that's that's great but like have some people that you can just bounce things off of you know if you're a visual artist have a couple people you that are like excited about your art that you can text pictures of work in progresses to to just have a dialogue you know if you're a writer same thing have some email addresses that you can just send some stuff to because even if you are a just lonely old painter sitting in the studio all by yourself like your shit's not created in a vacuum 
Like, you know, Van Gogh had a social life. He had friends. He had family that loved him. Like, he wasn't like this, you know. He always had an ear down to what was popping. Oh, yeah. You know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, Preston, I would have found any excuse to bring you on a podcast. First and foremost, I think that your voice needs to be shared with as many people on planet Earth and you, multiverse as possible. Um, it could be a podcast about calculators, M&M candies, you know, hand sanitizer, and I would have still made an excuse to get here. But you are a very um, important voice, I think, in DFW. I can't wait to see you flourish both in the music world and in the art scene. We have called you here today in this blessed queer to queer cast to talk about a very specific event, which is mm -hmm. coming up. And I would love for you to tell everyone listening everything that you would wish them to know about it right here now. Greetings, everybody. Hello and hi and greetings. No, um, I have my first solo gallery show in Dallas, Texas opening Sunday, May 1st, and is running. Thank you. And is running through June 14th. It is a six week show. The opening reception is May 14th from 5 to 9 p.m. There will be live music, free refreshments, and over 30 pieces, all original, done by me at the Janet Kennedy Gallery. It's in the um, near Southside building in um in dallas and yeah this is a big deal the show's called transit of nightfall um there's more information about it on my socials but a part of the reason we call it i called it that is because i work um full-time i've worked full-time and part-time and full-time and part-time and part-time in the course of the last two years through the pandemic and everything but i would find myself painting into the small hours again and again and again. And I think that in many ways, this is what has um, gotten me through a lot to kind of like transition into this place in life that I'm at now, which is a lot happier and healthier, but I couldn't have done it without painting. And this, these pieces are the representations of that. So the gallery, I believe, is open seven days a week. Um, and go out and check it out on the weekends. You may find me up there on Sundays. Hopefully, I can be there. Um, my work schedule is a little crazy right now, but I will absolutely be there on the 14th. Please come out. I would love to see you all. I'm trying to just pack that room um, with as many people as I can. Um, I've put so much work into this. I have been up until 2 and 3 a.m. for the last week and a half getting everything ready. I'm unveiling what is probably my favorite piece I've ever done that I did just for this show. But you'll have to see it in person because I'm not... Portrait of Colin. <laughs> I... Colin you you may be able to find Colin in it. <laughs> Please don't. Actually, you know what? Please do. Everybody listening, go to his show um, and look deeply into all of the paintings and then um, take pictures of the ones that you purchase and tag me in them. So yes, please do. 
Um, this is releasing or was or released Thursday morning. So we've got a couple of days to gather for the opening, but please connect with Preston, go to the gallery, enjoy. Um, it, it is an experience worth having, I will say. Um, one thing that came to mind whenever Preston was talking about um, his title uh, was actually the first day that I met him. It was a showing in a gallery that no longer exists um, and then some, but uh, I remember the feeling I got from Preston. It was, it was like someone that had just gotten off of a train from somewhere that was at least partially connected to pain and was ready to get on this new train. You know, we were just kind of at the crossing. Um, I was there too, our trains were a little different, but we were nevertheless kind of waiting for the same thing even though it took different shape. And I can say that you have had a transformation because I, I think I saw you on the other side of something, ready to go to the other side of something else. And now that you are here, I just wanna congratulate you and let everybody else out there listening know that um, it is possible. It is, and not in that cheap, like, you know, it's all gonna be perfect one day, that's absolutely not the case, but you will find yourself again and again and again if you continue to take those trains. Get your tickets now, not just to your metaphorical train to a better you, a more fulfilled you is what I mean, but also your tickets to this freaking show. Go right now or I will I'll give you a nice daddy spank on the behind with consent. So just please make sure you do. Um, there's no tickets for the event. It's free. Please just uh, come and maybe use that money towards a painting. No, hey, no, there are tickets. No, there are tickets, and the ticket is you have to purchase a painting to. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, there, we're only about metaphorical tickets on this episode. I'll talk to you about real tickets when it's closer to the film festival. So, and I look forward to another one of those. So, yeah. well, thank you so much, Colin. I appreciate this. Everybody um, would love to see you at the opening reception, but if you can't, like I said, the show runs for six weeks lots of pieces just go and uh, go and check it out um it's in dallas it's over by the south side ballroom in that area so lots of things always popping off over there maybe drag your friends along so and in honor of the queer to queer film festival preston one final question oh sure what is the queerest thing about your art as you define it um hmm You thought this was over. I, <laughs> um, I've never seen um, pieces that look like, feel like, or um, yeah, look like or, or feel like anything else, but I love them for that. And I think that is the queerest thing about my paintings. Love it. Where can they find you on the social media? You can go to Instagram and find me at 
Lighthouse Creations, but that is L-I-G-H-T-H-A-U-S Creations. Then you can find me on Facebook at same thing, Lighthouse Creations. And if you get done with this podcast and your hand is still on your phone and you feel like listening to another podcast, you can go and check out my show, The Broken Lighthouse, but spelled correctly this time, not like a German. Not the Tolstoy um, spelling of Lighthouse. Yeah. Um, and you can go back to season one and listen to Colin Miller's episode because mm-hmm. that is still one of my favorites. And you can hear this little sweetie story and um, hear about us talk about a podcast that has yet to ever see the light of day. So it will see the lighthouse. It will. It will. The night is dark as just before the lighthouse turns on. Um, no, thank you, Preston, so much. You are one of my favorite people, one of my favorite people specifically also to podcast with. Your voice is a blessing. Thank you so much for being here and everybody listening. Uh, please make sure you follow queer underscore two underscore queer on Instagram. I never remember what our Twitter is. So just go to our website. It's queer to queerfest.com. And thank you so much for tuning in. We have a film festival coming up in a couple of months. Um, you can find all the information for how to join up with us online or in person on our website. Thank you. I'm gonna say it once more. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Woo-hoo!